listening you guys i realize it's not easy charlie the dog and i have to listen to these two jokers every day hey you guys what's going on welcome to episode 425 now of the ron and don show and oh yeah it's a picture perfect day in the great specific northwest and yep we're live in the Les Schwab studio what is up ron and don nation hey coming up on the ron and don show we're gonna talk about real estate this is time to lean in and maybe get a little uncomfortable and can you be comfortable about that with that also uh have you read a good book lately uh listen to a good book maybe a good podcast maybe it's something that ron is binging right now that he wants to share with you uh, so we'll share those things with you. I found a podcast the other day that I absolutely loved and shared it with you. Did you listen to it? Uh, I don't think you shared it with me. Yeah, I anyway. Maybe I, I'm having some problems sending some things out and people aren't getting my messages. I think my iMessages somehow got turned off. So anyway, before we get to that, let's get to this. We just got through July 4th here in Seattle, and chances are you got through it too. Uh, Ron and I went out to a little boating with some friends. My mom was here. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I took my son out. We had a blast on Lake Washington. Dude, your son, when he said, he's 12, right? Yeah. He goes, that was one of the greatest firework shows I've ever seen. <laughs> and in, in my brain, I didn't say it out loud, but I was like, "Yeah, I hope so. How many have you seen? You're 12. Yeah. Like, it better be one of the best ones you've ever seen. Yeah. Anyway, it's really cool. We went out on Lake Washington, and then we watched fireworks. And it was really cool to see the fireworks come back to uh, Absolutely. Seattle. Absolutely. That was fantastic. After COVID. It was really nice to see all the boats out there and people having fun. Anyway, I, I, wrote, I wrote this, uh, and I wanted to share this. And this is on – I noticed there were a lot of people online that said, I am not celebrating Independence Day this year. People are very mad and very upset about Roe versus Wade, right? Very upset about the Roe decision in this country. And there's a lot of women out there that feel – at least a lot of women in my life that feel like their rights have been stripped away. Some people within the Black Lives Matter movement are saying, hey, we were going to rethink the police department. And then in the last couple of days, we saw the story of the gentleman who was in a car. There was a gun in the car, but he got out of the car and he ran. So he's unarmed, running, and then he is shot 60 times by eight police officers. Where that happened was in Akron, Ohio. Do you know who the police chief is in Akron, Ohio? It's the old Bellevue police chief, Steve Milet. Steve Milet got in a lot of hot water because there was a woman who was, a, who was a, basically prostituting herself to some people within the department, and she had made up a story about him. And if you remember, he had to sit on the sidelines over in Bellevue for almost a year until they investigated, and then, and then he was cleared. Right after that... You had the Black Lives Matter movement. The riots were happening here in Seattle. And remember when some of those rioters left Seattle, they went over the bridge, they went to Bellevue, and then we watched, I think it was on King 5, as helicopters are overhead, and people started going into the Bellevue Mall, and they were looting the Bellevue Mall. And they kind of lost control of what was happening in the Bellevue Mall. They weren't expecting that. 
And so later on, there was some real talk, uh, tough talk. They said, we have everyone on camera, going to prosecute all these people. And then he ended up leaving Bellevue. I think the reason he left Bellevue is because of those two things. And I think the second thing, in my opinion, he was forced out. What he said was he had to leave Bellevue because he couldn't afford to put his kids through school. And I don't know if that means college, because if you're over in Bellevue, the the be honest with you, the the public schools are just as good as the private schools over there. So anyway, he took this job in Akron, Ohio. He's the police chief. These were his eight officers. Uh, and now he's kind of treading water and, and we'll see if he continues to be the police chief in Akron, Ohio. But, but these are the kind of things that are happening. You guys, these are the kind of things that are happening and people are feeling like that they aren't as free as they were. And where are my constitutional rights? Cause let's not forget the constitution was written by a bunch of white guys like us. Women weren't allowed. Certainly there were no African-Americans or black and brown people that had any input on the constitution. And now as a result of that, people are looking around and saying, Hey, what, what are we really celebrating on July 4th? So I wrote this. It's called let it ring by Donald O'Neill. It's up on my Facebook page. And I wrote this. I said, you know, this flag does not belong to you. It does not belong to me. It belongs to you and me. And it's a picture of my flag uh, hanging on the front of my house. She represents the very best in all of us. In fact, she showed up on the beaches of Normandy when the rest of the world had been brought to its knees by the Nazi war machine. She showed up on September 11, 2001, when a group of Americans wrestled a plane away from a group of terrorists. And they crash landed that plane on purpose in a Pennsylvania field, sparing the lives of other Americans in Washington, D.C. She showed up again in Haiti. We've seen her show up in Puerto Rico after the hurricane in New Orleans after the floodwaters rose and killed 1,800 Americans. But guess what? She is not perfect. Just this week, we've watched women take to the streets as they feel their rights have been taken away. We watched another unarmed black man shot 60 times by eight police officers in Akron, Ohio. We have watched good police officers walk away in droves as they feel disrespected and underappreciated in the communities they serve. And we've certainly seen that in Seattle by the hundreds they have walked away. And the LGBTQ community, they feel like, well, the strides they've made in recent years for equity, it seems like those strides are eroding and diminished now, my street used to be full of American flags flying on this day a decade ago. Today, I only see this one flying outside of our house. That saddens me. Yes, she is blood-soaked. She's tattered and torn for a reason. Life in a democracy is messy. And it's up to those of us who benefited in this country to be shoulders for others to stand on. I am committed to that. I may not always get the pronouns correct. I don't know what it's like to be a young black man in America. I don't know what it's like to be a good police officer being baited by the public with cameras and iPhones. I'm not gay. I've never been pregnant, and I've never gone to war on this nation's behalf. But I do have one set of shoulders, and I'm committed to giving my fellow Americans a boost so they can stand on them, to be seen, to be heard, to be loved, and respected. And so I say today, our democracy is not perfect, but it belongs to us. So from Everett to Olympia, Seattle to North Bend, I hope you will let your and our collective freedom ring today. And let's all remember our collective past as we move toward a collective future where everyone feels included 
I'm committed to that. I know you are too. Happy 4th of July. This land was made for you and me. So let it ring today. Love and respect, uh, Don. And I wrote that uh, for the four. Thoughts? Um, I, I appreciate your thoughts. And I also can empathize with people that are feeling disappointed. I, there, there's two types of things I think that happen on the 4th of July. Uh, one of them is the perspective that you just brought is you're saying, I believe in the aspiration of America. I believe in what the flag represents and not what it is. And if you're coming from that vantage point of going, Hey, I, I know we're flawed, but I, I want to, I believe in aspiring and I believe that we can get there and I believe we can become a more perfect union. Uh, I, I can get on board with that. There's another brand of patriotism that is, uh, we're the greatest America number one in the, the caricature of the, you know, the apostrophe America and like greatest country on God's green earth, that whole narrative. And that one is just objectively not true. Uh, that is people that are being delusional. Like you can look at any metric you want to look at except for maybe military spending were number one. But you look uh, across the board at, at quality of life and freedom. Like health care, for instance, what, 14th in the world? Is that what you're, is that what you're talking about? That would be high, probably. I mean, 14th? I, I think probably, it's probably lower than that. But there's, there's freedom indexes and happiness index and GDP spent on child care, all the, the rights that you just mentioned, um, all of those things, inclusiveness, uh, you know, infant mortality, like whatever thing you want to look at, United States is not number one. Uh, we have lag behind. And so, as you just said, um, if you are a, a person that is on the outside looking in, in a lot of ways, disenfranchised, or you're a person of color, or you're a, a person in a, in a different community, then I, I get that sentiment of going, I'm not happy with the the state of affairs as we sit right now. Um, and I think that that in a, in an ironic way is the beauty of the United States. They get to do that. They get to, to say that. And that is as patriotic as in my mind, as hanging your flag on the front of your house, as long as you are articulating that of saying, I am being patriotic by pointing out the inequity that I feel. I am being patriotic by saying, I want equal rights. I'm being patriotic by saying my vote needs to count too. I'm being patriotic by saying let's level this playing field. And and me not hanging my flag up um, and, and voicing this opinion is as patriotic and is as good for America as the person that straps a, an eight-foot flag on the back of their jacked-up truck and they're riding through you know, the community blasting Lee Greenwood. Like I, I'm just as patriotic as that other person. I'm expressing it in a different way. Yeah. And I have to even say this land was made for you and me. How, how do you feel about that? If you're a native American, right. And, and, and I think we shouldn't be afraid to take a moment and say the constitution that was written was not written for everyone. It was written by some very powerful men that wanted to stay in power. And, and, and those powerful men are still in power today. And I always say this, go take a, go look at, and I'll wait, go look at a picture of the United States Senate. There's just 50, right? 50, 100, just a hundred senators, two from each state, right? 
There's just a hundred of them. Go take a look at them and see if they reflect. And, and I appreciate the House of Representatives more reflective of what we're seeing in America today. But those senators hold the power and really make the decisions. And just look at them and look at that picture. And it doesn't look like the rest of us. And at some some point, I think you have to pull out the Constitution. you got to dust it off and recognize that. And say, look, men have had the ability to make tough decisions and to vote in this country for well over 400 years. Women for 102. Black people in a lot of areas of the country still can't vote. They can't. That's another story for another day. Anyway, I do think in these times of celebration, it's a good time to celebrate, but it's also a good time to take a pause and say, was this land really made for you and me? Was this constitution written for you and me? And if it wasn't, then what can I do with the little power that I have to be a pair of shoulders to make sure there's equity and equality for others? See you on the other side. When Seattle nonprofit Plymouth Healing Communities decided to sell one of their group homes for the mentally ill and homeless, board member Catherine Walker turned to Ron and Don. It was a complicated and delicate deal. They didn't want people traipsing in and out disturbing the residents. So instead of hanging a for sale sign, the guys turned to their deep network and found a buyer themselves. It very quickly got to terms and we signed and that was that. And then they followed through on everything to make this happen. And Catherine says she was even more blown away by what Ron and Don did next. They offered to donate their commission. It was incredible. Their generosity had a meaningful impact on the lives of 47 residents in our organization. Heart, soul, expertise, Catherine says all of that and more is what sets Ron and Don apart from other realtors. They did a great job and genuinely interested in helping us achieve our goals. They seemed truly service-minded as opposed to kind of transaction-minded. So whether you're selling or buying, take Catherine Walker's work and schedule your Ron and Don sit-down today. Thanks for listening to The Ron and Dawn Show. Please hit subscribe. All right, you guys, welcome back to The Ron and Dawn Show. One of my favorite things to do is to ask my friends, is there a great podcast you're listening to? Is there a book that you are listening to or paying attention to or actually reading? It's hard to find people that actually read books anymore, you guys. I, I like to read those books. I like to crimp those pages. I like to still underline things, write in margins. And when I get all uh, done with a book, I like signing it and writing a little note to a friend and just sending it on to him. Right. So uh, my friend Scotty uh, has done that with me over the years. And I always really appreciate that because we like World War II books. So that's how I've gotten some of my best reading materials is, is from my friends around me. Anyway, I sent a podcast to you the other day. You didn't get the podcast. I started- I never got the text, I don't think. <sighs> what is going on with my phone? I, I'm, I was helping you troubleshoot your phone. You yeah. had uh, a system upgrade. It wanted right. you to re-sign in and uh, right. authenticate and, Anyway, so, so hit me with a book or a podcast. The, the podcast that I want to talk about today is called Smart Less, and they feel like if you listen to it, you'll be a little less smart. And there's three best friends that are hosts of this podcast it's Jason Bateman from Ozark and kind of that pithy sense of humor that he has when he, cause he, he wrote and directed and starred in Ozark. 
Jason Bateman, when you see him in Arrested Development or you see him in Ozark, he's the same guy on the podcast. He is really, his, really amazing. Yeah. And I didn't know that he struggled with, with cocaine and, and some alcohol addiction in his life, and he's pretty open about it. And so he he stopped doing those things, and he talks about it on the podcast. But he also talks about it with Sean Hayes from Will & Grace, who's very, very good. He's a great host. And then also Will Arnett is on this podcast. Him and Will Arnett are hilarious. These three guys love each other. These three guys are best friends. And these three guys sit there, and they can cut each other down in such a loving, hysterical way. It is stinking awesome. And this is what they do that I really love, is they will assign one of the hosts, and they'll say to someone, like, let's say they'll, they'll, they'll go to Will Arnett, and they'll say, it's your week to book whoever the smartest guest is going to be, and you can't tell the other host who it's going to be. And so they jump on. They're all in their own ho- homes. They have their, their little podcast spaces. And so, like, the other day I was listening, and I believe it was Will Arnett that was introducing the guest. The guest is on, but you can't see the guest until they do the reveal. And the other two hosts are trying to guess who the guest is going to be. And so, for instance, as they're doing this and he's giving hints, the next thing you know, Bradley Cooper pops up on the screen and he pops up on the podcast. Imagine the Rolodex they have in their phone. They do about an hour with Bradley Cooper and it was so good because Bradley Cooper will tell these guys who are his friends, he will let them interview him in a way that nobody else gets to entertainment tonight doesn't get to people magazine doesn't get to i found out so many cool things about bradley cooper listening to this podcast uh there's another one woody harrelson uh jumps on the other day phenomenal Phenomenal. so smart less is the name of it yeah so you can look that up again they feel like when you get done when you get done listening to the podcast you'll be a little less smart. I was listening to Jeff Bridges yesterday, who almost died during COVID. You find out when Brest, Jeff Bridges is talking, he is the dude. He Even in the way he talks, the way he reflects on life, he is the dude. So if you have a chance, listen to it. It is so good, so entertaining. When I'm out doing some rehab stuff, or if I'm driving to a home that we're getting ready to list, I've been listening to it a lot. And I love the camaraderie that these three guys have. And, and I have to tell you, this is why radio has been in trouble for a long time. Because you have people out there that are really gifted, that are great communicators. These three guys, for instance, in a lot of the acting that they do, it's like Curb Your Enthusiasm, where they just write an outline. And then you just kind of extemporaneously uh, just start performing in an extemporaneous manner. That's what these guys can do on camera, and that's what they can do on the podcast. It is magical. It is so, so good. Check it out, Smartless. So so I have two for you, and again, these are audiobooks. One is um, Michael Lewis has a relatively recent book out called The Premonition, and he's a, he, of course, wrote Moneyball, uh, was the, the book that I think he's most famous for about the reinvention of baseball. And he's written a bunch of other books, uh, Liars Poker is another one that where he busted on the scene. But probably the best nonfiction writer in America, a lot of people say. Premonition is about the people in America who had a premonition about uh, a pandemic hitting American soil and what we were going to do about that as, as a country. And... Michael Lewis, in in the way, if you've ever read any of his books, 
goes in, he finds these people, develops their storylines, takes you behind the scenes on what it was like to be uh, in charge of a health county in California, how you would shut down um, a, a school or how you would shut down a specific, what, 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 what you would do if a pandemic or some sort of communicable disease happened. And so he goes through and, and builds this narrative. Uh, that one's very interesting. And then the other one that I've been trying to uh, take a look at, and this is just my uh, version, <coughs> excuse me, of, of trying to educate myself. I try to pick out at least once a quarter uh, a book about uh, uh, African-American history or African-American uh, uh, person in history so that I can just learn more about stuff. There's a book called The Agitators, uh, and I don't even know when this came out, but it's about three friends, and they're all women, that fought for abolition and women's rights, and one of them is Harriet Tubman. And so it goes through, and it's it's very interesting the way they do the audiobook. So as they're talking, we should try to get her on. Harry, what's her name? She, Harry yeah, she'd, Tudman? Be, she'd, she'd be great. She'd be a great interview. Uh, so as they toggle between these three women, the narrator changes. The, the actual voice of the narrator changes, and they go in and out, uh, uh, chapter to chapter. The flip flop back and forth between the different narrators and their stories. Every time I listen to this book, The Agitators, I'm like, why is this not a movie? Why do we need 17 more Spider-Man movies? And I've never gotten the story. Like, there are so many movies embedded in this woman's life. Why is this not a big blockbuster right now? Why do we, as Americans, never hear these stories in a, in a TV show and in the new, the new Netflix and in some sort of docuseries? How come is it, it's on a dusty book like this? Not dusty. How come it's just in book form and we've never, do we not have the appetite to cull great stories of heroism and bravery by an American citizen just because she happens to be a black woman? So the agitators, um, if you've been on the journey as I have to go, I really don't know enough about the history of America from other perspectives. I'm going to go out of my way at least a couple times a year, maybe once a quarter to educate myself. I, I can't recommend it enough. The agitators. Yeah. All right. Hey, you guys uh, check that out. Agitators and smartless. If you want to be a little less smart, <laughs> it is so good. Hey, uh, we come back. Is it the time to really lean into uh, real estate or is that bubble about to burst? And so maybe you should run like hell. Let's talk about it next. Hey, Ron and Don here with Mitch.loans. You can go there and get a loan and still save half a percent on the value of your loan. Mitch, interest rates have gone up and then they've gone up again. What does that mean for people buying a house? They have gone up and they're supposed to keep going up. So what it means is jump now, lock in that rate, and be happy that you did when rates get up to six, six and a half percent in a couple months here. Wow. Is that, where, is that where they're going? Six, six and a half? That's where they're going. That's what everyone's saying. And, and we believe them because the Fed's going to keep hiking rates and we're going to keep hiking rates to go along with them. All right. So how, how, how does how does a lock-in work when you say lock it in? How, what, what, what does that mean? So when you lock in your rate, it means that you have gotten an accepted offer on a home. And at that day, you get to choose your loan terms. You get a percent down and you lock in an interest rate, which means for the life of your loan, you have that rate. It's not going to change. So even though it's 
still could be going up before you actually close on that property, you're locked in. You're locked into that. You're rate. locked in for life. Yeah. All right, let's go to Mitch.loans right now if you're thinking about buying a house. He has a special program for Ron and Don Nation listeners where you can get one half of a percent of the value of your loan. He can tell you all about those terms. Go to Mitch.loans right now. All right, you guys, welcome back to the final segment of the Ron and Don Show. Don't forget, if you need us, uh, we have a website. Just reach out. Yeah, ronandonsitdown.com, or you can just email me directly, ron at ronanddon.com. If you've been thinking, especially after you listen to this segment, if you're like, hey, I want to be a buyer, I want to be a seller, I want to increase my wealth for my family, ron at ronanddon.com. Let's do this thing. Yeah. Hey, I... I want to talk to all the investors out there or people that have been thinking about investing in real estate and when should I invest in real estate? And is it time to buy a duplex or a triplex or a sixplex or an eightplex, whatever that is. And, and I have to say something interesting happened when it came to apartment living and kind of this real, this, let's just say people that, that, that we're moving to this area. And I met a lot of people moving to the area because we're in the we're real estate agents, but also because I run these Airbnbs. And a lot of people come stay at the Airbnb and then they'll start hunting for a place to live. And if they were buyers, sometimes they're looking for, you know, a condo. If they were looking to rent, sometimes an apartment in downtown Seattle. They wanted to be around all the cool restaurants. They wanted to be able to walk to the market. They wanted to be able to jump on a ferry. They want to be able to to head down to the stadium, watch a Seahawk game or a baseball game. They ju- they fell in love with the core of the city and they really wanted especially especially if you're coming from a place like San Francisco where a lot of people move here, they're in Silicon Valley, maybe you've been down to Palo Alto, and when you're living in Palo Alto or you're living down in Santa Clara, you don't really feel the vibe of San Francisco if you're living out in the East Bay in a place like Lake Merritt or Oakland or out in Walnut Creek. Uh, Ron and I used to live down there. there. There's a different vibe when you're in the city of San Francisco. Uh, than when you're in that line in areas. What happened because of COVID and all the stack living, and I've talked about this before, riding up and down in an elevator with, you know, let's say you have a 200 units in an apartment building. People didn't want that anymore. Plus they saw, they didn't see a lot of police presence. They saw rioting. They saw stores that they used to shop in all boarded up. I was in a store yesterday, just in a gas station over in Magnolia. And the door is boarded up. And I asked the gentleman, I said, how many break-ins have you had here? He said, 14. 14. He just stopped replacing the glass. He puts up wood and particle board. And he said, they just break through that. And if they can't get through it, they'll just drive a truck through it. Uh, it, 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 it. It is maddening. And so for a lot of people, what they decided through COVID is, you know what? I want to, and, and I can't afford to buy right now. Interest rates are going, I'm going to rent but what they want to rent is very interesting. Now they want to rent a house. Now they want to rent a duplex. Now they want to rent an apartment, maybe in a sixplex where they have five other neighbors and not 500. So listen to me. Around the country, we see a lot of rents. They're beginning to go up. That's because people that were sidelined who couldn't buy are now ju- they're jumping into the rental game. And you may be saying to yourself, well, I can't afford to go out and buy one of these big buildings. Don't worry about that because a lot of people don't want to live in big buildings. They want to live in a duplex and have one neighbor. So this is the time to pay attention. If you have thought about buying a piece of real estate that is an investment property to you, and think about that. If you buy a piece of property that has three doors on it, that means as you pay down, as you pay down the note on that property, 
you have three, like in real estate, we call it mailbox money. You have three checks coming to your mailbox and chances are not coming to your mailbox. Three Venmos. But uh, yeah, but electronically, it's coming to you each and every month. So think about that, the leverage that you have if you're in your 40s or 50s and you buy a piece of property and you rent it out to other folks. And let's say you spend a million, you, you could buy a triplex in the Seattle area for a million bucks. In the outline areas, you could probably buy it for five five $500,000. You have people that are living there that are paying it down. You're getting some cash flow from that. And then when you retire down the road and this building is paid off, that's three checks coming to you each and every month. That is better than a 401k. That is certainly better than Social Security. And then let's say you have a couple rentals where you're doing that, where maybe you're getting five or six checks every month. Now you're set. Now you can travel the world knowing that electronically or through the mailbox that you have that mailbox money coming in. So if you've been thinking about investing, that's what I do. That's what Ron does. And then we train people. If you buy a piece of real estate, how do you hang on to it? Do you make it a 30-day rental? Do you make it a VRBO? Do you make it an Airbnb? Is the Airbnb bubble going to burst? Are people going to continue to still live this way? And it's so, so, so important to know the neighborhoods where Airbnb and VRBO works. And there's certainly a lot of places where that doesn't work. And you don't want to own that real estate. So anyway, that's what I specialize in. That's what Ron specializes in when it comes to investing. We just want to encourage you to reach out. Ronadonsitdown.com. And let's talk about your investment journey uh, today. Yeah, this uh, I concur with you. This is a, uh, a great time to jump in. I, I do want to address one thing because I think this is something that happens to me when I get into these waters. It is not comfortable um, because you start when you start to do the math uh, and you start to look at what this these obligations would mean and you start to look at the amount of money that's involved. Um, it, it it can make you very nervous. It, it makes me nervous. But I always when I look back and I think about just about every piece of real estate that I've ever owned that I did well on, even the ones that I didn't do so well on, I I always felt like I was being stretched. I always felt uncomfortable doing it because it it, it is a big deal. And I, I don't want to make it sound like, oh, this is going to be easy peasy. It, it's a, it, you have to check your mental game. You have to know what your plan is. You have to know what your strategy is. And it can sometimes, almost every time, it's going to be a little bit scary. It's going to be uh, a lot of pressure. It's going to cause you some anxiety. And then you get, I remember this on the house I own in Burien. I had mega buyer's remorse about buying that house. And then we had lost our jobs right after that. Um, I had uh, a person very important to me die during that time. And I was sitting there just boiling in this anxiety saying, God, I never should have bought this house. This was a, a stupid mistake. Why did I do this? And now you flash forward several years and it's like, man, that was really smart. I am very glad now that I own that piece of real estate and that it's performing the way it does. But almost everybody, do you think this is true, Don, that almost everybody, you go through that valley of despair where you're like, this was a stupid decision. I shouldn't have done this. 
I really wish I had that cash back in my bank account. You have to, in a sense, have a game plan to, especially if it's the first time you've bought something like that, you have to have a game plan and a partner that can help you. Yeah, I don't really go through that. And I think the reason I don't go through it is because I've had enough successes. So, so I know I, I believe in my, my abilities. I know how to manipulate a property to get it to cash flow and create appreciation. I will say was with some of the, I'm actually excited about a recession. (laughs) I am. I'm I'm excited about that. I'm I'm excited that home prices are going to correct here a little bit. I'm I'm excited that we can go out and begin to negotiate again for buyers because I can't tell you how many times we came in second this year on on homes that escalated between three and seven hundred thousand dollars. Right. So so I'm excited that there's a there's a correction here, and I'm excited that there's an opportunity for us to go out and build some wealth and secure all our futures. But early on, yeah, when I first started investing, it felt a lot like that. Now I just ask myself, we have this piece of property. What can we do? How can we manipulate it? Are we going to buy and hold it, which is what I like to do? Well, how are we going to hold it, right? Because a lot of times you hold it with your job, that W-2 check you're getting. How do I hold a piece of property that's not my primary? How do I do that? That's what I do. That's what I love. That's what I spend my days doing is holding the properties that I currently have purchased. So anyway, if you need us, just reach out, ronandonsitdown.com, and we can do a virtual sit-down today. Find out if we're going to be great partners for buyers, sellers, or if you're an investor. Hey, you guys, thanks for listening to this podcast. We really appreciate you. Again, if you need us, you can reach out to Ron or myself directly. Yeah, Ron at ronanddon.com, Don at ronanddon.com, or you can get all the stuff at ronanddonsitdown.com. Yeah, the Nation News, it's a little newsletter we send out each and every month. We'll send it out to you. Uh, ronanddonsitdown.com, you get signed up for it today. Keep your head up, shoulders back. We'll see you next time. You're listening to the Ron and Don Show. Only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and keep blowing that trumpet and we'll see you next time. Only. 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 Only on the Ron Don Radio Network.